know, in the relationship series, we're talking about sex, and um, I feel bad for other people that show up late. I may stop while I'm talking just for them and do that every time someone walks in because they could walk in and just go, what the heck is going on, okay? Um, and I don't want people to feel that way, but I know it's going to happen. There will probably be some late people. Um, in sixth grade for me, uh, sixth grade, my dad was like, Steve, I want to I wanna take you out to lunch. And, uh, and I was like, great. And he was like, I want to start taking you out to lunch each week. And, and we're going to go through a little study together. Now, I uh, was raised in a, uh, a Christian home, and my dad uh, was a pastor, and still is. And anyway, and so uh, I literally was, I wouldn't say spoon-fed, force-fed uh, the Bible. And I always tell people, if the lights were on in that church, I was there, uh, for better or for worse, right? And um, so I grew up in that environment, you know, my testimony, I turned against that, didn't want anything to do with that, rebelled, all of that later, but that was what I grew up in, and so when it came to anything like this and, and, and sex, I was going to get a very strong, uh, you know, narrow view of what it was, and if my dad said it, it was essentially, thus saith the Lord, okay, that's what he would say anyway. Um, and so he uh, tells me, hey, I'm going to start taking you out to lunch. We're going to go to McDonald's. Sixth grade, McDonald's. Heck yeah. Okay. Some of you are like, yeah, like right now, still, McDonald's, you know. And that's okay. We'll pray for you. But like, they're like, you got to mature at some point. Um, and to be honest, it's kind of a letdown. Like Happy Meals are really small. I don't, they've gotten smaller. Like I'm mad. Like my six-year-old eats a Happy Meal and it's like, can I have something else? I'm like, no, it's a happy meal. You should be happy. Take it. You're, you're done. Um, so it's kind of a letdown. Sixth grade, though, um, I was in the double quarter pounder phase because I was fat in sixth grade. And uh, anyway, so we go and we're, we're talking and, and, and he's like, here's the book. And we start talking about this book. And it's very clear by the images, this is not a normal book. Uh, and, and in fact, I'm like, woo, dad. And we're at McDonald's. We're at McDonald's, you guys. McDonald's. And, and, and I now know what we were going to do. Like when I opened the book, I'm like, he wants to talk about this stuff. And so literally, my dad, I don't know how many weeks in a row, took me to lunch at McDonald's and gave me the sex talk and walked through everything with pictures at McDonald's. I still don't go to McDonald's. Like, I don't walk in. I'll go to the drive-thru. I ain't walking in, though. That's weird. I'm just thinking of all these things. And, uh, and I just want to eat. So anyway, so, but what happened as a result of that conversation, that weekly McDonald's reminder, what happened for me is it kind of backfired on my dad. And he would say, if he was here, he'd be like, yes, yes, it did. Um, because you either take that information and you go, okay, yes, and, and yes. And what his message was is you do not do this, okay? This is bad. You don't do this. If anybody talks about this, if you see these images, it's bad. Um, and, and that was kind of the overarching thing um, was essentially what can I do to keep my, my, my boy from having sex? And what that did was it actually sparked curiosity, and you always have to be careful when you talk about something with someone. 
Because you may be thinking you are being very clear but, uh, about something that's not okay, but you actually may be creating curiosity in somebody. Um, and, and that's happened to some of you. I know it's happened to some of you. Where someone was telling you about something, and, and as they were talking more and more and more about it, uh, guess what happened? You started becoming more and more curious about it. I am a very curious person. Very curious. And so with that, I started to become more curious, and ultimately uh, what happened was I kind of took the, the perspective when it came to sex uh, and all of that, um, I took on the world's perspective. I didn't, you know, as I grew up, I more and more wanted nothing to do with the church, uh, with, with my dad's views towards anything, and so I kind of approached sex as culture did, which was sex is no big deal. It's just not a big deal. Um, now, for you, I don't know what your background is. Probably wasn't McDonald's sex talks, okay? Um, but I don't know. I don't know what your background is when it comes to this topic. I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know what's been said to you by your parents or not said. Uh, for some of you, your parents may have never, ever talked about this, and it was this silent, unspoken, and, and you, just, you, don't, you have no idea what your parents think. So maybe you never talked about it. Um, I don't know what your teachers have said to you about it or, or not. I don't know what the churches that you come from have said or not said. And if you came from Ecclesia before me, I don't know what Wes said before I got here about, about sex. Um, sex was the pastor before Wes was the pastor before me. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell him I said that. He was DMing me tonight. Um, I'm like, hey, guess what you are? So um, I, don't know if, I, I don't know if you had a pastor uh, growing up or like a youth pastor uh, or, or somebody that was like, this is what it is. And, and this is what it isn't, and this is what you're supposed to do. I have no idea. So, like, I'm operating with a blank canvas here. I don't know if you're having it. Like, I, I, I don't know. Unless you've said I'm having it, and none of you have, uh, I don't know. Um, and I don't know if this is an extremely painful topic for you. I don't know your past. I don't know if you're a victim of something. I don't know what's been said or done to you. So I don't know that. But what I'm going to try and do is... is Come at this with a blank canvas and just let's talk about it and let's be open to what God has to say about it. Because I gave my life, uh, I surrendered my life to Jesus in college. And one of the big things for me was I, I had to end a relationship uh, that I didn't want to end. I, I did not want to end it. And uh, I've shared the story before, but ultimately it ended with uh, the girl that I wanted to be with sitting on my car and saying, I'm not moving. And I had to walk away. And it was awful. It was, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And, but I made a decision that I was going to try and do this, date and marry. I was going to try and do it God's way. And so I made a decision there with that. And, and it was very difficult. It, it, it was tough. Um, but I've tried to do this. And, and I say all that to, to tell you this. When I talk about this, I understand it. And I think that's really important for you to hear from me tonight, okay? Um, sometimes uh, people like myself who are pastors get up here and they tell you all these things and a lot of it's theory, a lot of it's what they've read. What I'm telling you right now uh, and tonight is, is, is things that, that I've gone through and I've experienced it. I've been on both sides, okay? I'm not up here, unfortunately, and, and I don't have the story of, you know, like, I never kissed a girl in my life, and then the first girl I kissed was Lindsay on our wedding day. 
Unfortunately, no, I missed that boat in kindergarten. Like, um, you know, we had Kiss Chase. You know, it's probably illegal for you now, but man, it was a hot thing in kindergarten. So that ship sailed, okay? Um, I've kissed many girls, okay? Um, and in, I'm joking, but like, I didn't just like kiss random people. So, um, but I, I, I operated in a way before Jesus how I wanted with this topic. And so unfortunately, when it came to, uh, you know, doing it God's way, I, I have experienced, you know, when we talk about sex, I've, I've experienced that outside of the design that we're going to talk about. And then I've also experienced within God's design. And so what I'm telling you, it's not like I get a bonus if you do something here tonight. I'm literally sharing with you my experiences and what God's word says. And the beauty is I do get to speak from experience, so it's not just some random dude who you feel like is paid to tell you a certain thing and push an agenda. I have no agenda other than I want God's best for you, and I know that God's best for you is God's design for you. Okay? I just know that from experiencing it. Um, and so I, I, I've had a lot of background in this. Um, I've, I've been involved, when I was in San Diego, I was on, a, uh, I was on the board of a, a nonprofit on, for human trafficking. So I have seen the ultimate destruction from um, what this can do, this topic. Um, and so, like I said, my goal is, is that you experience the best design sex for you, okay? That's, that's literally, that would be great. So let's get into this. In the creation story, God sees what he's made. When we go into Genesis, he sees what he's made and he says what? It is good. It is good. And, and it gave him pleasure in what he made. Okay? And, and, and he, what? He made man. He's like, it's not good for him to be alone. So he made another, uh, Eve. And he made Adam and Eve. He was pleased with what he made. And then in Genesis chapter 1, 22, it says this. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So he sees them, he's made them, he sees that it's good, and then he says what? Be fruitful and multiply, all right? His first command is what? How does that happen? <laughs> says have sex. <laughs> yes, God. Okay? Literally, he makes them, he sees that it's good, and he says, have sex. And Adam and Eve were like, okay, right? Right? They were like, sweet. Be fruitful and multiply. So God, here's, here's what we've got to start from. This is our baseline. God created you. You didn't create you. God created you. God designed you. You didn't design you. And then God created sex. You didn't design sex. You didn't create sex. We didn't accidentally bump into somebody and go, oh, oh my. Like, that didn't happen. Okay? It didn't happen. There was design. There was intelligent design made for you in order to what? Be fruitful and multiply. Okay? Um, and, and, and so it's, it's literally uh, something that God has physically designed us to experience together, man and woman. And so sex is a what? It's a gift. Sex is a gift from God. It's, it's even a way to experience him at a deeper level. And it's talked about in the Bible. Um, in fact, there's, there's a, it's talked about a lot in the Bible. There's actually a, a book in the Bible called Songs of Solomon. Uh, it is not, if you're brand new to faith, that is not the, the, the book you go to and just start reading. You will, you'll be jacked up. 
okay? You, you'll be weirded out. You'll put the Bible down. You'll be like, that was not for me. I'm going to try a different thing, okay? Um, but literally, Songs of Solomon, uh, it's, it's, it's erotic Jewish poetry of a king going to his lover and them getting married and talking about each other's body parts and sex. It's hot, okay? I mean, it gets, it gets, it gets intense. Um, and so I'm going to read to you a portion of it, all right? It's where we're at. You're all adults. And, and uh, I don't do this at middle school camp. But in Songs of Solomon, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, says this. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind. Blow upon my garden. Let its spices flow. Man, they knew how to talk. And this is hers responding. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Then he responds, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. Now, my sister, don't read into that. That's just a way of speaking back then, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, my bride, I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. And then it says, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Now, you know what's crazy? That last voice there. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. That is God's voice. That's God's voice to them. What is he doing there? He is encouraging them to experience that to the fullness that he's designed it to be experienced. Okay, you guys, here's the reality. God is pro-sex. He's just pro-sex in the way he's designed you to experience it. Okay, you need to hear that. See, he created a plan for it to bring pleasure into your life. It was a gift. And, 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 and here's, here's the thing, because a lot of times I hear people, well, you know, in the Bible it talks about all this old, that was way back then and all that. Well, when you actually look historically at biblical times, and in particular, let's talk about the New Testament for a minute, we see that sex was happening just like it is now, and it's very applicable what we see uh, written, um, because like in ancient Rome, like literally, um, man, sex was, was insane in ancient Rome. It was only considered adultery if you cheated on your spouse with someone else who was married that's the only way it even counted okay but like prostitution sex with with their slaves all this was just like it was normal okay uh, and, and when Paul writes about sex to the church of Corinth he's writing to a culture who had gods they worshiped whose priestesses were temple prostitutes Okay, literally in Corinth, this, their city, there were thousands of prostitutes. So it was so normal back then when, when he's addressing sex, just as it is normal today. Now, we don't have prostitutes all over, but we have sex as a very normalized thing. It's very normal. And, 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 and literally, you're encouraged to do it. Here's what's crazy. Some of your parents are telling you you should do it. I've sat there and heard a mom or dad say, well, you guys should be having sex. And I'm like, wow. Man, your parents, and at that time I was thinking, your parents are awesome. Because my parents never said that. Like, but I've heard parents say that. Like, like you guys, you're, you, you literally, uh, for some of you, 
You're encouraged to do it. You're encouraged by your friends. Um, you're encouraged by whoever you're dating. You're pressured to do it. You feel pressured to do that. Um, in other words, if it's not happening for you, what's wrong with you? Even if you're single, you're not having that. What's, what's going on? What's wrong with uh, you? And, and, and what's happened is this. We literally treat sex like it's just this physical act, right? We, we treat it like almost we look at it like animals. Um, when, you, when you watch, I watch a lot of these animal shows. Um, because I've got kids, and they, they love the animals, and I love the animals too. And so you see all of these things, and you'll see animals, you know, having sex or whatever, and, um, and you go, oh, it's, you know, whatever, it's, it's just this thing that you do. And we treat, we, we literally treat sex, you know, our mindset towards it like, like we're just like a rabbit or something, or just like a, like a hamster. Like, like it's just literally this physical, uh, this physical act, okay? No big deal. And, and, and the problem is, we aren't animals. Some of you should write that down. We aren't animals. We weren't created the same. Okay? And as much as we'd love for culture to be right about how it's not a big deal, what we, what we do know, what I know, is that from experience, we know that it's the opposite. It actually is. It is a big deal. And maybe we've never said that or acknowledged that. We've tried to be okay with it. We've tried to just pretend it's not a big deal. But deep down, you know it's a big deal. Sex is a lot different than a workout at the gym. It just is. Deep down, we know it's different literally because it's wired into our brains. It's wired into us. Okay, that, 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 that it's different. And, and, and I want you to think about this, like, Physical abuse is treated way differently than sexual abuse, isn't it? Isn't it? You think of rape. You think sexual assault and how there's this lasting impact that people carry into their lives that requires years of counseling to work through. And, and, and so, and so it, it's different. It's not just normal. It's not just this thing that we act like it is. Because even people that want nothing to do with God, and you may be here um, and want nothing to do with God, you would agree with me. This is not just this like, oh, only Christians think this is actually a deeper thing. No, I'm having these conversations with all kinds of different people, and culture's talking about it, celebrities are talking about it. It is different. And if you go into the prison system, you will see what I'm talking about. Why? Because I um, have gone into prisons, I've preached, um, and in fact, I'll never forget pulling up to a prison in San Diego, um, huge, and I'm, I'm pulling in with this huge dude, it's a former gang member, and so I'm feeling all right, Okay. But I'm pulling in, and, and I look, and as, I, as, I'm, as, we're, as we're pulling in, I see outside, literally, an RV. This RV. Now, this RV, and, and, and so you've got the prison yards, right? And, and, and you pull up. You guys, you're all like, no, I've never been to prison. Okay, good. Well, anyway, there's huge yards where people are allowed to be in. And, and where this prison was located is southeast San Diego. You could literally take a rock and throw it and hit the border wall. And it's way out there, away from everybody. And, and I'm out there, and we're, we're driving into this place. And as we pull up, I see this RV that, that's, that's like a part of the prison, but not. It's away from everything, and it's literally fenced around. And I, and I, and I, I look at him, and I go, what is that? Who is that out there? And he goes, that's a pedophile. They had to put him out here because he'll be killed. I was like, 
He goes, oh yeah, if they find out there's a pedophile in here, they're dead. Now why in the world, in a prison, is that different? Right? Why? There's something different when we talk about sex, you guys. There's something different that even in a system that's built for people who have broken the law, they will all acknowledge this is different. What's been done here is different. They will treat that completely different than physical abuse of a child. Completely different, right? Why? Why is that different? Because we're not animals. It's not just some physical act, is it? It's not. It's totally different. It's deep. And, and so, guys, I, like that's... Literally, like I said, it's wired into us. Why in the world uh, it, is it different if you are dating someone and they flirt with someone else um, versus have sex with someone else? Why is that different? Um, when, when you think about uh, a spouse or uh, maybe you're in a relationship with someone and then all of a sudden you find out that they're addicted to pornography, why does that hurt so bad? Why does that hurt so bad? If it's just this physical act, you know, what's the big deal? They've got tension. Oh, they're stressed. Or, or, or just physically they're built up and, and they need an outlet. So it's great. It's just this thing, right? It's no big deal. It's like working out. And, and, and they need that for them, right? No, no, no. That's not what I hear. That's not what I hear from spouses who find out that their spouse is addicted. I hear the opposite. Deep hurt, deep wounds, betrayal, all these thoughts, insecurities, all these things that take a long time to heal, to work through. And guess what? Sometimes, a lot of the times, the spouses say, I don't want to deal with it. I'm done. I'm done with them. Why? It's different. One of the questions I have for you, if you're having it right now, is this. Has having sex made your life better or more complicated? Has it really made it better? Or has it made it more complicated? And why, when I really dig deep into my soul, do I care more than I act like I do? Why? Why do I wake up the morning after not feeling free? And I know how that feels. I'll tell you what, the morning after I've worked out, how do you feel if you've done a night workout? Now, guys, listen, I'm not bragging, but I'm just going to tell you. Last night, I went into my house gym, and I was doing some pull-ups. I was doing some stuff. Okay, and I walked into the house like that. I felt good, and you know what? I woke up this morning. I woke up and went. I worked out last night. <laughs> What's up, baby? Um, you know, I think I think I can still feel it, and I felt really good, right? If you've ever worked out at night, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm gonna do it tonight. Um, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, you're already like what? You're like, yeah, I worked out last night. Woo, let's go. Let's charge the mountain, you know? Or you pretend you're tired so people ask you why you're tired. And you're like, oh, I worked out last night. Oh, I know, you know? Um, but we're, we're satisfied. We're fulfilled by that. You're not like that if, if you've had sex outside of marriage when you wake up in the morning. You don't feel that way. You feel, some, you feel different. It's not fulfilled. It's different. Here's why. Here's why. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This is what he says later. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, it says. Okay, so he's breaking it down more. They shall become one flesh. And then we see in the New Testament... 
Paul talk about this when he's writing to the church at Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. He says, Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Remember, prostitution was part of their worship, their idolatry, their their worship, okay? For as it is written, the two, he, he reiterates it, the two will become one flesh. For he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Now, when it talks about, first, let's, let's, let's define this. Sexual immorality is taking anything sexual outside of God's design. Okay? That's, when we read sexual immorality, that's what it is. It's taking anything, it could be a thought, it could be an action, whatever, uh, outside of God's design. It could be a look. And, and whenever I take that outside of God's design, outside of being something that could be worshipful to him, it becomes what? Sexual immorality. Okay? So he says to do what? Flee. He doesn't say, hey, check it out, see what's going on. Flee. Flee. Some of you, man, you are awful at fleeing, right? Oh, just, just, just like, a, we've got great breaks. No one has great breaks. Nobody. Okay? We all get going too fast, and you're in a moment. You know, I, I told you with the dating series, either you define that line or the moment's going to define it. And I can tell you right now, the moment wins. Okay, the moment wins. But let's go back to this. It says what? Here's the heart of this. It says the two shall become one. This oneness. What is this oneness? Okay, well, the Hebrew, the Herber, the Hebrew word means fused together at the deepest of levels. Okay, it it literally means it's fused together at the deepest of levels. When you are fully known and you fully know. The Greek word for united together here in the English translation, it it, it talks about it like a permanency, like a bonding permanency. Um, And so when we talk about intimacy, intimacy is experiencing another human being at the deepest of levels. Relational intimacy is linked to oneness. It's linked to sex. Now, when you, um, I have kids, so one of the things they do is the youngest right now, the old two over it, but uh, the youngest will take stickers and he'll take the sticker and, and, he'll, and, and he'll, he'll go like, oh my goodness, this is a cool sticker, then he'll put it here, okay? And then two hours later, he sees the sticker there, he picks it up and then takes it off the thing and he puts it somewhere else. Then before you know it, the sticker's on the wall, okay? And, and then he sees it and it's like, oh, and then like, like, he's never seen it before. Oh, look, Dad, wow, whoa. I'm like, eh. And then he takes it, and then he puts it somewhere else. Okay, now, by the fourth time, what's, what's happening with that, with that sticker? Right? It's not sticky anymore. 
it's lost the adhesiveness, right? It, it, it doesn't stick, okay? It, 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 it's damaged there, right? You guys, that is exactly what happens when I engage in casual sex or pornography. It causes me to lose that bonding, that permanency, that stickiness, that the oneness is designed, that God designed you and I to have. That's what happens. See, the, the sexual immorality in Corinth that Paul is talking about, it's called pornea. It's a, cheap, it's a cheap substitute for what God designed for us. It's a cheap substitute. That's all that is, is a cheap substitute. When you, think of, when you think of casual sex with someone, that is a cheap substitute for oneness. It's cheap, and it feels good just enough to keep you going, and that's the enemy. When you think of pornography, it feels just good enough to keep you in it because the enemy knows, I'm going to rewire your brain to where you're going to go to this, and you're going to repeat, and you're going to keep coming back to this, and I am going to destroy your ability to experience God's greatest design for oneness for your life. Because every time, less sticky, less sticky, less sticky. Guys, the, the casual sex that I engage with now, it causes me to continue to lose that ability to experience intimacy at a deep level. Once again, that includes uh, pornography. As I continue in it, it causes me to become calloused to intimacy and not even able to experience it or give it in a way that he's designed me to. There's actually a really popular movie that came out with like these famous actors and actresses in it, and it was all about this guy who had a porn addiction, um, and he's trying to experience intimacy in a relationship, and he, and he can't. And, and, and he keeps hitting this wall with it. And, and it's crazy to think that, guys, this isn't just like a, oh, a Christian thing. No, everybody's talking about this. They're seeing it. Now, they're still pumping, like, hey, it's okay, do whatever you want. Look, like, it's okay, it's just like a workout. But, but they know it's different. Like I said, my, my, my friends that don't know Jesus, they will agree with me 100% on this. Okay, because that's what we know. Why, you guys? Um, because, because here's the reality. These decisions, they have lasting consequences. You take these experiences into your marriage, and I know this. Guys, when you find the one, the one you're looking for, you are not looking for a hookup, buddy. You're looking for intimacy at the deepest of levels, aren't you? Right? That's what you want. You want intimacy at the deepest of levels. You want this oneness. Now, intimacy at the deepest of levels, this romance, it is fueled by what? Exclusivity, right? Exclusivity. Some of you have, have like tried to find something that's exclusive, right? And if you can find it, it's amazing. When you think about what fuels romance uh, and, and, and intimacy, it's exclusivity, there is something insane that there is somebody that only wants to be with you and is only committed to you for the rest of your life. I feel sorry for my wife. I mean, but she said that vow before God, so she's stuck. But, but that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? That she's choosing me. I'm choosing her only for the rest of my life. 
Man, I, I don't, there's nothing exclusive like that. That is incredible. And that fuels romance. God knows this. He knows that you'll feel this way in his design uh, for it. And, so, and, and he's created you to experience that. So, uh, so when he says, do it this way, you guys, what he's saying is, I want you, if, if you get married, I want you to have the most sexually fulfilling marriage ever. And if you do it my way, you will experience that and this oneness, this deep level of intimacy that I've designed you to experience. But if you'll just do it my way, Just do it my way. Because what does he say? What does he remind us of there? What were those verses at the end? Uh, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Woo-hoo. Okay, so it's not your body. So stop treating it like it is. It's not yours. You can can say, Steve is my body. Your problem's not me. Your problem's with the creator. So you can tell me. You can tell your friends. You can tell whoever that. But I'm telling you, it's not yours, according to Scripture. It's God's. And if it's God's, he says it's got one purpose, to glorify me. And so with my body, I should be asking, how is it glorifying God? In Romans 12.1, it says, I, and I'm trying to hurry. Um, I'm glad there's a clock here. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Ooh, it just got weird. So, my approach to sex should be in alignment with worship to God. I want you to think about that. It's crazy, isn't it? That that should be worshipful. But that's how he's designed it. And, and I'll tell you this, guys, great sex doesn't mean you have a great relationship. That's a huge misconception. In fact, many times, great sex blinds you to the reality of your relationship. I know so many people that are having sex, and it's blinding them to the reality of their actual relationship. But the sex is like medication. The sex keeps them going. And, and here's the other thing. This is important for you guys to hear. For those of you that are struggling right now with this area, whether it's with someone else, multiple people, or maybe it's pornography, and, and you're, you're like, man, I've, I've screwed up, I've done this, or this has been a part of my relationship, or where this has maybe happened to me, maybe something's happened to you. And you're like, man, Steve, this is done. My oneness, my ability to experience intimacy at this deep level, as you talked about, the stickiness is long gone and all that. My story's written. This is what I'm bringing into a relationship. This is what I'm going to bring into my, like, with my spouse. That's going to be my wedding night. Are you kidding me? This is awful. Here is what I want to say to you. Your story is not done. Your story is not done. You guys, oh, and this is what's so great. I wish it wasn't my past, but it is. I know for a fact you can still experience the sexual intimacy that you're designed to experience. I know it. I know that. He is not done. In fact, there's this crazy scene in Jesus' ministry where this, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. She's thrown before Jesus, and they're like, ha, this is what the law says. So what do you think we should do to her? We're supposed to stone her. And Jesus is like, aha, and I would imagine he was like, ha, how'd you know that she was committing the act? Uh, we heard. 
you were watching. Um, but what does he say? You who are without sin cast the first stone. Right? And then he got on the ground and wrote things. I think he was writing their own issues and their sins and all of that. And ultimately, they walk away. And this is what Jesus says to her. And she's obviously caught. She's, she's, she's in sin, in sexual sin. And Roman and John 8, 11, it says, she said, he asked, who condemns you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, what he's saying there is not that, hey, there's no consequences for this. You're okay. All is forgiven. Right? Like, there needs to be a lifestyle change. But what he's saying is, with this lifestyle change that you make, you guys, there is redemption, there is grace, and there is renewal. And what's crazy is, like, I don't even know if this is out there, but he makes it sticky again. He brings back your ability to experience oneness. He heals you. He restores you. He builds you back up. Why? He who began a good work in you, it says what? Will be faithful to complete it. He is this God of redemption. And guys, I changed course in my life and it changed my life and it impacted my future marriage. I experienced that. And he says, he says, he says, like, do it my way. Wait till you're married to experience this. This is reserved for marriage. Why does he say to do that? Not because he's anti-sex, but because he's actually for you. He's for your marriage. He's for you experiencing the oneness that he's designed you to have. And for those of you who don't know God, I'm telling you right now, he is for you. He's for you. So what decisions do you need to think through uh, tonight? You know, uh, it's crazy. We all, I get asked all the time, hey, how do I make wise financial decisions for my future? But what about us making wise decisions now for your future marriage if you're not married? And you guys, sexual purity is a strategy. It's an investment in your happiness and the happiness of your future partner. Purity now paves the way for intimacy later. It just does. You know, if you ask me to do your wedding, um, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say, okay. Well, maybe I'll say, okay. We'll ask some more questions. But one of the things I'm going to say is, is, well, I don't know if you've been having sex, but I'm going to ask you, and you're going to agree, to not have sex until your wedding day. Now, do I do that because I'm mean? Ha ha. Do you think I get joy out of like, ha ha? No, I do that. Why? Because I'm going to get up there and I'm going to ask God to bless this. I'm not going to get up there and ask him to bless something I know he's not blessing. Because if I'm going to do what I want to do, knowing what he's asked me to do and I'm saying I'm not going to do that, I can't get up there and be like, God, I pray that you would just bless this couple who said we don't care what you say, but we're going to get married anyway. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pray that prayer. Okay? And so I always say, man, let's... Let's have an agreement here that we're going to honor God moving forward with this relationship and how he's designed and wired us to experience intimacy and oneness in sex. And guess what, guys? I'm batting 100%. Nobody has come back to me and gone, that was so dumb. Why'd you make me do that? No one. In fact, they come back and they go, hey, man, that, that was cool. Thanks. I, that was so crazy. I've never, we'd never like waited or experienced that. And you know what that was, you guys, for certain people who had never done a relationship like that? It was God rebuilding that elasticity. It was, it was, it was experiencing oneness on their wedding night that he had designed. And so guys, that's it. That's the goal. That's the desire. I pray that for you. And I pray that um, 
for those of you that need to get things right, change course, that you will do that tonight. Because the more you go down this road, you guys, I'll tell you this right now. I would say sex and money. They are the two things that will literally take over your life like nothing else. They just will. Those two things are different, and I think there's a reason the Bible talks so much about both of those things. Because they will. They will literally hijack your life. And, uh, and I pray against that. I pray against that. 